Tov. We started in Masechet, Masechet Kitten, and I want to take a few minutes in the beginning. By the way, it's a very short daf. If you take a quick look, you will see how few lines of Gemara there are on this daf. So I want to take a few, uh, we have a, few, a little extra time, I want to take a few minutes to um, introduce the Masechet and the topic. As far as the Masechet is concerned, it is, uh, it is like a classic Masechet and the Gemara, not one of those funky things that we did before with a funny language or not real Rashi, um, etc. Um, it is a classic one, because anything in Nashim and Ezekiel, pretty much anything is, you know, is very classic. It's obviously, you have the whole wealth of the Rishonim on it. Um, you have um, the, um, uh, you, you, um, and it's one that's learned, like, like I'm going to say classic too many times, in Yeshivot on a very regular basis, because staple of the Yeshiva education. Now, not because, obviously it's very halachalamasa about the giving of a get and so on, but also, as I'll talk about in a minute, it's very packed with a lot of, like, deep conceptual issues and relevant shas issues about shlichus and shtarot and um, you know ownership and uh, and and conditions that on, on transactions. So it's got a lot of these deep shas contexts. It's very conceptual. Um, a lot of themes that continue and continue to get referred back to and so on. Um, so it's a very very rich mesechet. Um, if you want now, in terms of its organization, let me also say one thing. Well, about before I get to the organization, which is one of the, I think, almost sad things in the, from the contemporary context of learning Masechet Skitin is that, you know, you read through the whole Masechet, and the Gemara, like any Gemara, like when it's talking about Yibum or whatever, you know, it's, the focus is on the process, right? How, how do you write a get, and how do you deliver a get, and da 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 and all the whole things, all the technical details or conceptual issues, etc. That's all about the process, okay? But every page you're reading, it's like uncomplicated, not that the Allah is uncomplicated, but the social reality is uncomplicated that of course the guy is going to get to his wife right and it's just interesting in analyzing like what are the nature of the process so it's almost the so there's something about it that's uh, you know the taken for granted nature of the fact that again that again is the natural thing that would happen and so on and we just have to work through the specifics and certainly knowing how complicated almost every single divorce is nowadays because of the imbalance of power now part of this was true because if you didn't have a secular system, it's not just that they had a basin that could use its muscle. Sure, that's true too, and you had a more tighter Jewish community and the basin had authority and they could use its muscle and they were motivated to use its muscle, which is not the case um, sadly a large part of the time in Israel and so on. Um, that was an understatement. Anyway, but besides that, it's not just the issue of muscle, it's that if you don't have a secular system um, and society doesn't tolerate you know, the guy, let's say not, you know, leaving his wife and and, 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 and shacking up with another woman and so on so if you wanted to end the marriage this was the only way you could end the marriage of course just like now if you want to get a divorce you have to get a secular divorce there's no aguna you know in the I mean it is true sometimes like a, one of the spouses will refuse to sign the divorce papers for one reason or another you know I'm talking about in the secular system but the point is is that so there was this there is that thing that there's a little bit it's like it's, it, it just it's interesting that feeling we're going to go through it and the giving of a get will be a natural taken for granted reality um, and the focus is going to be on the halachic aspects of it. Yes. 
saw in much of Western European and American society, yeah. divorce was basically not possible right. until right. the 20th century. Having a lot to do with divorce in my lifetime. There, there you go. Having a lot to do with the Christian background. Yeah. Okay. So, in terms of the structure, let's say a word about the structure. Okay. The first, again, like some sechtot, it does not begin with the basic issues, right? Let's talk about how do you write again, how do you give again. It's, it sort of starts with a more interesting side point. Okay, that's the way some sechtot begins. Um, and it talks about how maybe get me dinasayam. Somebody is a shaliach, an agent, is delivering a get from overseas. And it talks about what that agent has to testify to. Okay? And if you take a look, I just want us to flip through the, the prakim. The next parak continues. I mean, there's some interesting digressions in the first one. But the next parak is also called Hamevi Get. Okay? So it actually also continues with this idea of delivering a get and bringing a get from far away. Um, but in the middle of the second parak, you start getting to some of the specifics about how a get is written. Okay? So you have the cold coastfin. You can write with all types of inks. Um, what happens if it's written in the day and signed at the night? What type of cloth do you write on? You know, in Kosin bin Lakarka. So the middle of the second paragraph, you start getting to the specifics about how the get is actually written. The fact that it has to be done lishma with the intent of the woman, um, with the woman in mind, etc. Whether, okay, and then you get into the third paragraph, continuing with some of the, um, you know, the, uh, um, the specifics of the writing and the given, giving of the get. Oh, so I mentioned lishma. If the get is being delivered, can you assume that the guy is still alive while it's being delivered? Okay, what, you know, interesting types of questions of that nature. That gets into a digression of, can we go ahead and, in general, if a shaliach is going to do something, can he assume the guy who sent him is still alive? What assumptions can you make when you're not seeing the person? Okay, the fourth parak um, talks about, um, if somebody sends a shaliach to deliver his get to his wife, it's called hashaliach, and then he runs up and, he, and, and then he annuls the messenger's uh, agency, not in the messenger's presence. Okay, and then the messenger is going to deliver the get to the wife, and the wife will think she's divorced, she'll marry because of Imam Zayn, and none of this will have been true. So the rabbis instituted something to prevent it, and then here we get to a little type of rabbinic social activism, otherwise known as tikkun ha'olam. Because of tikkun ha'olam, a phrase in the Mishnah, that's where it comes from, okay, the rabbis instituted certain laws, and sometimes even sort of, um, you know, even sort of somehow manipulating certain doraisa things in order to, uh, for the betterment of society. Um, and then we get into a whole two prakim, the fourth and fifth parak, which is things that the rabbis did and we range from nashim to nazikim to like all different types of areas, well nashim and nazikim are the most interpersonal anyway and things related to tikkun olam so that's like a fun little middle section okay, and it's a lot and then the sixth parrot gets back to, you know, giving the gets and um, on and on till the end. And then one of the other interesting things, I won't go through the whole specifics, but one of the interesting things that comes up also is somebody who gives the get on condition. Okay? And again, in the Mishnayas, when you read it, it's just like, okay, on the condition you do this, that, whatever. It's like a trivial type of a thing. Um, and, the, and, the, and it wasn't there, the, the focus there isn't about extortion and blackmail. It's just about how do you stipulate a condition, you know, and uh, what makes something 
a legitimate tsnai in the like in a contract. And then towards the end, we get to the actual the delivery of the get, what it means for a woman to receive it. And then at the very very end of the mesechet, we finally get to what is considered to be the proper conditions for which a man should divorce his wife, like the last mishnah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but as you can tell, a very rich and diverse diverse mesechet. What I also want to say, and then we will get actually to beginning reading this, but I just cannot resist saying, and this shows you about you know about you know about about like how Rambam you know his uh, sort of systematic approach to things um, brilliant the way he begins his Hilchos Gerashen I would recommend that people read his Perkaf of Hilchos Gerashen because what he does is he starts us off by saying there are ten conditions to arise to make a get a kosher get and he lists them I'll tell you about there in a minute and then he says and here's the Pasuk it's based on and it's all based on one Pasuk in the Torah right what's the Pasuk whatever whatever no no what is it um, um, uh, what uh, 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 yeah, what's the what's the before the Kasov a man, excuse me, should be writing a get, should be divorcing his wife. And anyway, here's the big pasuk: the katav la sefer kritut benatan biada v'shilcha mibeto. Okay, that's the key. From these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight words is the entire. All of the Doraita laws of, G- of Gitin basically hinge on these eight words. And the Rambam... More than one law per word. More than one law per word. And, here's, and basically, here's what the Rambam says. Okay, I'll just read you the Rambam. He says, okay, here are the ten conditions. He says, um, okay, because uh, of the Rambam, Anyway, this has to be mirtsono. He has to do it willingly. Now, in general, all transactions have to be with your das and intent, so we can talk about what makes the willingly more specific to get in. Okay? Ain't magarsha fine. But the woman, the woman is divorced even against her will. Okay? Okay, this is condition number one. Two, it has to be a writ. That's pretty obvious. That's actually Pshad of the Psukin. Okay, um, law, Nishma. It has to be written with her specifically in mind. It cannot be written in just you have a generic yet or you weren't thinking of the particular woman, etc. Okay, Sefer Kritut, Gavar HaKoret, Beino Veina. Um, so basically he says you're divorced from me but there's some not a condition to make it take effect but an ongoing way in which she's not fully divorced you're divorced from me but every single week you have to do X right or you're divorced you know there's something that is not fully severing about, about, the, about the act that he makes some he holds back something and makes some ongoing stipulation that it's not fully severing okay it has to be davar hakorate and we'll see what that means fully severing Okay, how are we going to get six more conditions out of those words? Let's take a look. Okay. Um, so obviously it has to reach her. 
okay, or her messenger, or go into her property. Okay, that's obvious. Okay. Um, he has to be he is sending her away he has to say I am divorcing you not you are and you know not can be like I am you know I you know oh, here, that's the Raman says uh, that works okay but he cannot say I say I am leaving you. You are divorced from me. I'm not leaving you. Okay? So he has to she is divorced. The language of the get from him. Sending like she is the one being sent away. That's the language of the get. The text of the get. Okay? Harsher. Right. Right. Well, it's also the reality of a patriarchal society. Okay? Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, or what, and it also that, right. And it's also, right. And it also refers to the separation. It can't just say, you are now a free woman. Okay? It has to specifically refer to the act of, you are being divorced from me. You are being sent away from me. Okay? Um, now, um, we're not done with. Okay? Um, the cost of the Natan, Okay, so this is a trickier one because we only have how many six. Yeah. Okay, so the the combination of the katav and vinatan tell us there cannot be anything separating, nothing between writing and giving. Now we don't mean that there can't be any time. Obviously, there can be a lot of time. But what we mean is, for example, you can't write on mechubar. Not, that's one classic example. Not on mechubar. You can't write on a tree. That then the only way it is possible to give it would you would have to cut down the tree. Okay. So you cannot. You can have time. You can do a million things between the writing and the giving. But you can't be be a situation where it's necessary to do something between the writing and the giving. Okay. So that's that. That's a smaller no, point. Other than a condition, because you can do it tonight. What? I can do it tonight. You can do it tonight, but that's not. Yeah, that's true, but it's not somehow necessary. Eh. No, but it's not the giving. That's the taking the effect, the halot of it, not the act of giving right, of it. This is this is the physical right, the writing of the horn of an animal. Fine, we'll talk about that. Okay, now sefer kritut vinatan yada. This oh, you see, I needed another color to show, but I know I need another color to show. Well, to show that when we're doing the combination of words, anyway. So this combination. Okay, basically, truth in the Pambiada is it has to be given as a get. It can't be like, you know, when they give those, uh, uh, when they serve uh, those, uh, what do you call it, subpoenas, okay, and they trick the guy into accepting it because it's like, you know, so, you know, though, you know, yeah, they do that on like movies or whatever. You gotta serve a subpoena and like you say, here, hold on to this document. You're now served. Okay? So, <laughs> here it has to be explicitly given as a get. It can't, man can't say to his wife, here, take this letter. You know, here, could you hold on to this piece of paper for me? You're now divorced. You can't say that. It has to be given as a get. Okay? That's eight. Um, and let's just do nine and ten. Um, um, uh, what? Oh, it has to be in front of Adim. That's the one thing not in this pasuk. Adim is based on the basic idea of 
um, so that's the one thing um, that's the one thing not based on this Pasuk it has to be given in front of Adam or Adam has to sign it that's a debate in the Gemara whether it's about being given in front of Adam or Adam has to sign it not written in front of Adam not written in front of Adam and the tenth one is is that the husband has to be the one who does it like somehow the implicit the implicit person here is it's all being done by the husband or his messenger Okay, or agent. Going in and taking it? Yeah, I don't know. As opposed to, let's say, the court delivering the gift. Okay? So those are the ten requirements. They'll write the requirements, or the Rabbanans, all learned out from like eight, these eight words and this other pasuk about agent. You said they're all direct to be present when he writes the gift? No, I'm sorry. If I said that, I did not mean no, that. Didn't. Okay. How did the agent We'll see that. We'll see the whole agent thing. That's a separate conversation. Is all direct or no? Yeah. Okay, so the Rambam, brilliant way of, of giving you an overview of the Masech and linking it to these eight words in the Pasuk. We're not going to get to the Doraitas for a few weeks, okay? But I wanted to, since it is a very short daf, I wanted to start with an appreciation of, you know, what constitutes a get from the Torah's perspective. Yeah, it's the same thing with mezuzah. Yeah, but here then he quotes a Pasuk and shows you each piece of the Pasuk. It's very, yeah, it's very right. It's great. Okay, so now let's take a look with all that said as an introduction to the to the Masechet and to the, to the topic of Gitin, let's open to the first stop. All right. Hamevi get me dinatayam. Somebody brings a get from overseas. Tosus points out that Rashi says Kol Chutzarts Karile Medinatayam means anywhere out of Israel. But Tosus says, I think more correctly that Afagav. First of all, Tosus Medinatayam. Tosus says. But Medina Tayam suggests more far away, a distant place, more distant from Israel. And we'll talk about that in a minute. So somebody brings a get from, you know, from overseas to Israel. When he delivers the get, this is a messenger, he has to say, and he's going to give it to the woman, he has to make a, a declaration in front of a based pair, presumably, or somebody, at least the witnesses, this was written and sealed in my pre- and signed in my presence. Now, we're going to see in the Gemara, why does he have to say that? I mean, that's the most obvious question. What are we concerned about? And the Gemara is going to have two opinions. One based on the fact that he says it was written in my presence, and the other back to fact that he says it was signed in my presence. The most obvious one is, why do you think it's important that a person delivering a get has to testify that it was signed in his presence? So that we know that these are related and that it takes effect. How do you know that, A, the husband did this all together? Somebody who wants to marry the woman, you know, is forging this whole thing, or somebody who wants to cause the woman, you know, tsarist or whatever. The husband is not standing in front of us, right? We have no idea, like, he doesn't have to bring an affidavit that the husband made him a shaliyah. Like, we have no idea who this guy is. The guy shows up on our doorstep with a get. So if they you know, testify to the fact that it was properly signed by the husband, and he is a, a witness of the husband. Even then he could be lying, but that's what he has to testify to. Okay, the written part we'll see in the Gemara is is a way of saying it was the writing of the get was done correctly. Okay, so that meaning if it was written meaning because you know these requirements were satisfied, the writing of the get. So he is bringing a get. We don't know who he is. We don't know who sent him. We don't know what this piece of paper is in front of us. How it was written, right? So he is testifying to the legitimacy of what he is presenting. It was written and and, and signed in front so of him. Now we will talk about that, Rabbi Now, 
Even if you don't bring from Eretz Yisrael, even from Medina Gayam, even if you bring from Rechem and Cheger. Now, where's Rechem and Cheger? Big Tosas tries to figure out where it is. Seems like there were, you know, Tosas says there are two Rechem and Cheger. Sometimes that sounds like a cheap answer, but if you actually speak to archaeologists, there sometimes are a lot of places in that region with the same name place. Okay? Um, anyway, clearly this seems to be some place that is very close to Eretz Yisrael. Tosas thinks that maybe it's in the land of Plishim, which would actually suggest that it's in what? Like the Gaza Strip, although I don't think so, because that would not be considered outside, close and outside. That would be considered in Israel. Anyway, but Tosus thinks that it's, uh, these are places that clearly are very close to the border of Israel. So he is saying, even somebody who brings Rashi associates it with the biblical Kadesh and Bared, which is where Hagar runs, you know, when she is driven out by Sarah. So it seems like it is close or to Israel. Even somebody who brings from there has to say it. Okay, and we'll see in the Gemara how close it is and what the implications of that are. Rabbi Eliezer Omer, Filimikfar Ludim Lulud. Even if somebody brings from the village of Ludim to Lud. Now, there's two questions here, which is, number one is, well, I don't understand. Which, what's Chutzlaretz? I mean, Lud is like not at a border of Israel. Did they actually think that that was on the border, that they had a narrower, you know, a much narrower strip at that northern part than, you know, we normally imagine? That's like not at all clear why he's saying that. Also, Tosos wants to know um, why he says Lud. Why didn't he just Ludim, right? You're saying where are you bring it from? Who cares where you're delivering well, it to? The, the point is, um, right? So, well, okay. The point is, though, the first point is like even if you bring it from places, what these Tanaim are saying is even if you bring it from places near Israel, you still have to say it doesn't have to be far away. Medina Sayyim suggests far away. They're saying even if it's near. So why does it say from Kfar Ludim to Lud? So one answer to this is pretty much what, what, what Michael said, which is you would have assumed that even if for some reason Kfar Ludim is over the border, which is a strange idea. That it's, that it's just over the border from Lud. Anyway, you would have assumed that since it's conceptually like the, you know, the suburbs of Lud, you wouldn't treat it as a separate place, and it wouldn't matter if technically it's over the border. The other point Tosos makes out is that Rabbi Eliezer himself was from Lud, so he was giving this as an example. Okay, but anyway, what these tonight are clearly saying, and the Gemara is going to analyze it more specifically, is even if you bring from places, they don't have to be way far in Dina Tayam, even if you bring places right near the border, okay, and just over the line, and maybe even if it's just, even a even just a suburb, you would still have to say when you bring from outside of Israel. Um, now, for Chachami Momim, the sages say, No, only if it's really from overseas. Or, so here's something to add, okay, now the question is, where, do you, where does the Chachamim end, and where do we resume the Tanakama? Okay, they could, you could say, only really overseas, period. No, it's got to be real overseas. End of story. And then we're back to the Stam voice of the Mishnah. Or they could be saying, only really overseas, plus, if you go in the reverse direction as well. If you bring it from Israel to, um, you know, to Medina um, Tayyam. More logically, right, you would put the pot period after El Hamedi Medina Tayyam, period. Because the first set of debates is, does it have to be, very, you know, really distant or even just over the border? Okay, now we go back to the anonymous voice of the Mishnah, okay, the Hamolich, 
So if you bring it from Medina Tayam, or if you're Molich, you bring it from Israel to Medina Tayam, you don't, you know, okay, so if they have maybe Medina, Limedina, Bimedina Tayam, or let's say it's not about bringing, about bringing it from Israel to overseas or vice versa, but from one country to another country outside of Israel. Okay, in all of those conditions, you would have to do it. Okay, so then you wonder why I mention Israel, because then the basic point is one country to another country. So the Gemara is going to imagine two countries within Israel, let's say Yehuda and Galil. I mean, what is considered a country, a Medina, right? It wasn't necessarily a nation state exactly. So anyway, so that, for example, so from Yehuda to Galil in Israel, you wouldn't have to, seems to be the point. But, but okay. not necessarily two cities in, in the same Right, maybe from one city to another within one Medina, you might not have to, okay? But anyway, the Mishnah is saying you bring it from Chutzar to Eretz Yisrael, Eretz Yisrael to Medina Hayam, or one Medina to another Medina, in Medina Hayam, one minute. Now this is getting to Michael's question. Hagmonia sounds like the word hegemony, 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 right? It's a Greek word. Yes, which is a Greek word, which means like uh, whatever, like rulership or something. Um, and it basically, he means the way this sounds like is, the way Rod, the Gemara explains it is even if in one city you have like you have like East and West Berlin, yeah. okay, mm-hmm. and one city you have two different rulers over different parts of the city, you know, even there you would have good example. Right? Even there you would have to go ahead and bring it. So certainly from one city to another city in the same Medina, okay. But even from like one government. You you know, one part of, to another government, uh, you know, area controlled by another government, you would also have to do it. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, now, Rabbi Yehuda is going to draw the boundaries of the land of Israel for us. Okay, because until now we've been talking about close or far away. What are the exact boundaries of the land of Israel? I'm sorry, so he so says the hegemony, but if it's like, let's say, all under the control of the Roman Empire, and you're going to do from, you know, yeah, so that's not clear. Yeah. Right. The Kiddush is even if they're very close, but the other, the flip side of so are you saying though, could be as long as it's the same hegemony, even if it's very far? Right. right. Okay, all good questions. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, you got to leave the Gemara something to do with this mission. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, now Rabbi, now Rabbi Yehuda draws for us the boundaries of Israel. From Rechem to the east, and Rechem is, is considered to be out of Israel, so that's the farthest point on the east. Ashkelon the south, and Ashkelon counts as the south, so Ashkelon counts as outside of Israel, that's very strange. Right? Ashkelon is listed as one of the cities of Israel, I'll talk about that in a minute. From Akko to the north, Akko Kitsafon, Acre, is considered to be outside of Israel, part of the north, also strange. Rabbi Meir Omer, Akko Kerch Israel Gitin. No, for laws of Gitin, Akko has a status as part of Israel, which is interesting. For different laws, maybe different, we draw the borders of Israel differently. And I'm going to come back to that point in a minute. Now, finally, if you bring it in Eretz Israel, you do not have to say, Okay, that would be the one thing we didn't we, we didn't talk about. We talked about from Eretz Yisrael to Chutzarts, Chutzarts to Eretz Yisrael. Oh, sorry, excuse me. Chutzarts to Israel, Eretz Yisrael to Chutzarts, Chutzarts to Chutzlaret. But finally, the end of the mission says in Eretz Yisrael, where presumably you know we can check up on things or whatever. For some reason, we don't have to worry about how it was written. We don't have to why we don't have to be concerned that the get is a forgery. We'll talk about it in the Gemara. But anyway, we're more in control of everything in Eretz Yisrael. You don't have to say from in front of Nechtam. The Yeshal have Orim. But if there are challenges that are raised after it's delivered in Eretz Yisrael and the husband comes and says I never wrote that yet then 
then Yitzchayim b'chotmav. Then the way to deal with those challenges, if and when they arise, is you have to get the signatures validated. So you don't have to validate the signatures at the outset, but you get the fa- signatures validated, and if the signatures were genuinely signed by the people who signed it, we don't trust the husband to say that the get was a forgery and that he never did it. We would say the witnesses would never have signed it if you had not actually authorized this get. Now, before we get to um, me saying a few more interesting points that Tosos makes about this Mishnah, I do have to make the following scholarly point, because I often use this Mishnah and get them to make a point about an interesting phenomenon about Mishnayot. Um, the Gemara sometimes refers to, sometimes even the Mishnah itself refers to, Mishnah Rishonah and Mishnah Achronah, but that usually is clear, like there's an early teaching and then it got overwritten later, um, writ, overridden later. Um, what is less sort of stated explicitly, but once you realize that you see it so often, is how sometimes the later Tanayim received an early simple Mishnah with the basic terms and then they debated what those terms meant okay so when we normally say the Tanakhama says X and Rabbi Huda says Y and Rabbi Meir says Z that's really not what happened really the Tanakhama said a simple statement and Rabbi Huda and Rabbi Meir are debating what the terms of that statement were okay so for example the opening Mishnah Psachim is you have to well you don't put Chometz you don't have to but what about this teaching of the two rows of the wine cellar? What, what, do you, what, what is that about? So Beit Shammai says it means and Beit Hill says it means these two rows. So here very clearly it's saying Umru, they said two rows of a wine cellar. What, what does that mean? So Beit Hill gives one meaning of it and Beit Shammai gives another. Clearly there's an early teaching and then the later tonight, and that's not late, Beit Hill Beit Shammai is early, but anyway, a later generation, right, debates what that term means. So take a look at how look at how this Mishnah would read if we take took out every named position of this Mishnah just cross out not literally cross out in your imagination every named position in this Mishnah and see how this Mishnah would read as an early simple Mishnah it would read maybe get named Dina Sayam Okay, I maybe get Medina Sayam. What's the next non 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 name statement? Oh, non name. The Hamavi mi Medina le Medina, right? And then what's the next non-name statement? Hamavi get Baruch Yisrael. Get Baruch Yisrael. Ain't no tzarich. Very simple Mishnah, oh, wow. right? If you bring a get from Dina Sayam, tzarich sheyomar, right? Whatever, right? Right, the funny nechta, the funny nechta. Okay, if you bring it from Medina Sayam, or if you bring it to Medina Sayam, or if you bring it from Medina Lamdina in Medina Sayam, but if you bring it in Eretz Israel, you don't have to. What a reason, Mishnah! Comes along the later Tanayim and they say, oh, wait a minute, I want to understand something. What's this Medina Sayam? Does that literally mean far away, like Tosa says, or maybe it's like Rashi says, maybe it means Chutzlaretz. Okay, so comes along whoever it is and says, recommend Cheger. And comes along Rabbi Eliezer and says, no, 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 no. Right, Rabbi Okay? Okay? Now, again, what I'm saying, say, no, 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 it really means Medina Sayam. Okay? So those first three positions are just arguing what those words Medina Sayam means, right? Okay? And then you get to the end, right? And now it's a little funny why we left Rabbi Shimon Gamliel, Hagmonia, Lagmonia, but that's explaining Medina and Medina. Right? Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says Hagmonia, Lagmonia. I'm going to tell you, Medina Medina does not really mean, like, you know, big different countries Spain and Italy it means even east and west Berlin okay that's Agmonia Agmonia okay and then 
The other issue is just one minute. Before we get on to, like, maybe get there to Israel, we've got to define what are the borders of Eretz Israel, right? Because we bear to show not So the borders of Eretz Israel, oh, okay. So Rabbi Yehuda says these are the borders. Rabbi Meir says those are the borders. What? Yeah, it could have come after, but this way you end with the anonymous voice of the Mishnah, okay? So that they're all giving, clarifying this simple Mishnah. And once you see that structure, you see it all the time. And it helps you sort of appreciate, you know, what's going, it, do- it doesn't become like a complicated lots of voices. Yes? What it means, what you're suggesting to me, is that um, the, the, the layered strata of the Mishnah are already modeling what the Amorayim do explicitly in the Gemara. Well, that's an excellent point to say. That process continues in the Gemara where we then continue to also debate, etc. But the Gemara isn't always debating the terms. Right, right, this right. is a little different. This is like there were simple terms, yes. but any legal law says, well, what is the scope of this term? What's the scope of that term? No, right. Exactly. Exactly. Also, it's not, it's not possible to shock the here as many places as a city and not... Um, that's an interest. It's not how the Gemara interprets it. I mean, I don't know if I say country, but I do get a sense that it's a larger... Or larger oh, space. Krach is a city. I don't think Medina is a city. Anyway, we can talk about it, but that's not how the Gemara Now, let me make one or two other quick points before we finally turn the off. Okay? First of all, the word get, Tosos points out, is a generic word for a star, but, but without modification, it's off, it refers to a Gitei Nashim. Why exactly is not clear. Um, Tosos also points out a minog to have 12 lines of a get in a get, and he says maybe it's because the gematria of the word get is get is 12, but right, even until today, they write Kitim with 12 lines. You mean he doesn't fill them up? Or they just, like, do no, no, no. They write the text that it fills up 12 lines. Anyway, he gives another interesting interpretation that if it's a, a book that divides, so there are 12, there, between each of the Sfarim and the Sefer Torah, we give a gap of four lines between Breshid and Shemot, etc. So between the first four Sfarim, there are three of those gaps. There are 12 lines that divide. Okay, he says, how about Bamid Barn Dvarim? Well, Dvarim is just a repetition of whatever, so it's not... Anyway, okay, moving on. So anyway... Okay. The other important part about Tosvos is that, I mean, there's a lot to say here, but the big Tosvos Ashlon Kedarim is the question that is really implicit at the end of the Mishnah, which is, you're giving these borders, and Rabbi Meir says, wait, for different purposes, Akko is like Eretz Yisrael. We mean for X purposes, for Y purposes. So the question becomes, and this is going to be really explored in the Gemara, like, what definition, how do we draw the borders? Like, is it the borders that, when they land, that they were given in the time of Yoshua? Is it the borders of the Bayit Shani? Those are, uh, those are borders that's a term for like Trumus and Maestros, the borders of the Bayit Shani. The borders of, like, that's more of a question of the Kedusha of the land. The borders of Yoshua are more the actual boundaries of, of the land. Or do we say, if the concern here has to do with the ability to know that things were done properly and so on, it's more based on the, uh, on the cultural realities of what is sort of, you know, the same cultural, governmental, you know, sort of, uh, you know, uh, 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 well, they, what's the word? That's, I guess, cultural. Anyway, you know, but, uh, what? You mean political? Yeah, but not exactly political, but something like that, meaning like, what's the boundaries in which is where you know, where the Jewish people are living in the land of Israel that defines like the cultural boundaries of the land of Israel? Because we'll see in the Gemara, if the question is that you might not be able to find witnesses because it's far away, or they might not have done it properly, so you're going to ask more practical questions, which is, well, is this place far uh, different enough 
you know, if, if it's the Iker Hayishuv, then it's okay. But if it's a place that's more somewhere, you know, somewhere out in the boondocks or whatever, they might not know what they're doing. We might not be able to get witnesses from there. So it might not be standard borders of the land of Israel. So, for example, when Tosos points out that these places like Ashkelon and Akko are clearly part of Israel, Tosos says, yes, but maybe they're too far at the margins, you know, at the periphery, that for the purposes of why we're saying the that doesn't count as Israel. So this is going to be an ongoing question in, the, in, the, in this first, you know, a few dapim, which is do we use standard definitions of the borders of Israel or do we draw the map based on the concerns that are unique to this halacha of the funny next of the funny next one. Okay, yes. Yeah. Uh, right, so whether that matters or whatever, right. Correct, long toast. Now, one more line, I know we have to turn it up, but I have to say one more thing. Okay, if the get is challenged so Tosu says look at the first line of Tosu Tosu says like this he says um, um, uh, if the husband doesn't come and challenge the get this is when it's being brought in Israel she can get married okay the low tanin and mizuyaf we don't why don't we say the husband's in here we have to defend the husband's interests so we the based in if something is happening in the absence of the other party we have to defend the interests of the other party so we will challenge the get and say maybe it's forced no we don't do that we don't stand in for the husband's interests and make that challenge why not because for Kavaraz of Aguna, the rabbis were lenient. They did not want this woman to have to not be able to get married until she could find witnesses. So for that way, we do not we we do not like represent the husband's interests and challenge the get. Now I did not bring that in so I could point out the word that in the first half of Gittin. Although it is a good po- it is a good thing to it is a good thing to point out. But the reason I brought that in was because Ramban responds to Tosos and says the reason we don't say that maybe it was a forgery and to defend the husband's interest is because, he says, the woman is not the husband's property. He, and therefore, it's not like it's his interest, like we're taking something from him that you now have to represent, like if I was trying to, to you know, to, to seize your property and you weren't around, we would have to defend you in your absence. Okay? But he says, this is a woman who's trying to define her legal status. Okay, so so he says, "Eina isha habal" or something like that. That we would have to treat it like like a dine mumminous case where you have to defend the other party's interest. So I think that's really interesting. Right at the outset, you know, because the husband is really so much in control to think conceptually about how that act is uh, is understood and about to what degree you know the woman is seen as the husband's property in this whole process. Yes, sorry. Mind is defining outside the realm of dine mumminous. Is it possible to conceptualize Right, this is still within the realm of DNA, Mamos, but we've made an exception here. That's what Tosa says. <laughs> no, that's what Tosa says. What I was saying, important. Nobody says that you defend. Everybody says you don't. You don't say maybe it's a forge. We don't defend the husband. That's the whole point of the Mishnah. Okay. Tosa says it's because of Aguna. So Ramban says it's not because of Aguna. It's because fundamentally, fundamentally. he is not seen as taking something from the husband. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, well, I don't know if exactly, but he sees it as taking something yeah. from the husband. The husband is the party that, as, as a party that is being injured in this process 
um, you know, and therefore we have to go ahead and present re- represent his side. Yes, well, but I don't. It depends how you say what the husband's interests are. If he's in a marriage, doesn't want to be, then it's an interest to divorce her. So well, that's so by, not, so by not challenging you are defending his. Well, that's an interesting. But that's I think essentially what the Ramban is saying. If you see this as property, then it's one thing. Property is being taken away from a person. If you see it as a relationship, right? You don't know what the interests are in terms of the relationship, and you see it in different ways. I think that's a nice way of saying essentially what the way, way of seeing what the Ramban is saying. Let's finally now start the Gemara. <laughs> okay, my time. What is the reason you have to say this? <laughs> so Rabbi Amar, you have to say Rabbi Amar Lishma because they don't know out in Medina Tayam that you have to write the get for the sake of the woman. Okay, and therefore we're afraid it was not written according to halacha. Rabbi is focusing on the words Bifanai Nechtav. If you have to testify to how it's written, so you have to know that means that there's a question that whether it was written correctly. Now Tosa says why specifically Lishma? Like so if he says, well, maybe that was the most prevalent problem. But maybe, you know, but but other problems were less prevalent. But it really it's it's a general concern that they don't know the laws of Gitin. Okay, that I think is the thing that makes the most sense. But then Tosa has other reasons to say, no, no, it actually seems they did know the other laws of Gitin. So it does as well, maybe it means that for some reason they didn't buy into the Lishma requirement. So they don't they don't know the laws of Lishma really means they don't buy into it. They don't they're not always so good about the requirements of Lishma. Meaning they have like standard getting with different standard names in there? Some must something like that. Right. Right, 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 right. Something like that. Okay? But anyway anyway, one way or another way, it means there's a question whether it was written like and that's he rather focused on Bifani Nikhtav. So you have to testify to that fact. Okay? I always when I learned this and I learned this when I was I think I was in eleventh grade. And the a question that always bothered me was when minute. If they don't know the halachas, then how do they know that they have to get the shaliyah to say Rafani Nechtav, Rafani Nechtav? <laughs> but the answer is like obvious. Once in Israel they stop, they start rejecting Gitin when the guy comes without saying it, they very quickly learn that we're only going to get them delivered in Israel if we actually, if the shaliyah testifies to this. Okay? And then hopefully then they also understand what it is he's testifying to and they actually maybe are more careful about Lishma. But anyway, that's why, or maybe, maybe the point is no. Maybe if they don't know, maybe if they're not careful about halacha, he won't say because they won't know halacha in general, and that'll exactly solve the problem. When he's saying it shows us that they know what they're doing, which raises another issue, which is how does saying it was written in front of me mean that it was done really smart? All you're saying is it was written in front of you. So what Rashi says two possibilities. One is either then we in, we inquire and we say, oh, okay, tell us a little bit more. What how exactly was it done? Da, 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 and we actually inquire and find out the specifics. But in the other explanation, and the one that Tosos prefers, it's basically, no, it's an implicit, saying it was written in front of me is an implicit claim that it was done kifi ha And we don't have to actually inquire anymore. And maybe it is a little tied into what I said. If they know the requirement that they're going to have to claim the funny nechtav, they know that there's something that they're testifying to. Okay? So that's, no, hold on, I'm going to, just going to read a little more. So that is one aspect of Lishma. Rava Amar, Lefish ain't edi mitsuyum l'kaimo. No. Rava focuses on and Rava says that the problem is is that if this get is challenged as we see at the end that it's a forgery you're going to have to find witnesses to either testify that it's their signature or witnesses that can identify that it's this that, that yes I recognize Michael's signature and this is Michael's signature that's considered either the witnesses themselves or other witnesses or you never received okay. you mean like a, a, a vacant document right uh, yeah but that wouldn't be this case yeah, but yeah, anyway yes so anyway Rava says so that we see at the end that when that, that a get that 
delivered without claim to its legitimacy is open to challenge. And if it does get challenged, you have to find witnesses. So he says, here's the problem. That we can do in Israel. Because if it all takes place internally, we'll just send for the witnesses. Okay, we'll send for people who recognize the signatures. But if it's coming from some faraway place and to get us challenged, who that? When are we ever going to be able to find witnesses to testify to the signatures? So we better get it validated right now. Okay, and we're going to get the Shaliyah to validate it and say it was legitimately signed. Now, normally we need two people to validate it here. It's one, the Gemara will get to that. Okay, but that, right, before notaries. Okay, that's the purpose. The purpose is the funny Nechtam, that we don't want to challenge that it was a forgery and he has to testify to that. So that's basically the debate, the Nechtam or the Nechtam part. Uh, by the way, I have to tell you, when I was learning this, I kept on getting, you know, Rabba and Rava is not an easy debate. Wait, wait, which one did Rava say? Which one did Rava say? So here's the mnemonic I figured out in 11th grade, which is Rabba ends with hey. Rabba is Lishma. Okay, like which ends with a hey. That's why I figured it out. Okay, Rava's the other one. Okay, no, we're gonna, we have seven minutes. You'll have to hold it off. Okay, so the Gemara says like this. Now, my Benayu, such a great Gemara. Before we even analyze the Mishnah, let's talk about conceptually, a priori, if you have two different reasons, what would be some Nafkaninas? Whether it's about Lishma or whether it's about being able to validate the signatures. And the Gemara spells out some very obvious nafkaminas. Igabinayu, here are some differences. Dasyu betray. Two people brought it. We don't have to worry about validating. We have two witnesses here. Okay? But we still have to worry if it's coming from Medina Sayyam that they didn't know what they were talking, that they didn't know the halachas. Now, Raj, now the question is, what do you mean we don't have to worry about validating? I mean, what are the two people going to do? So says, what are we going to do? Lock them in jail for 10 years so that they're available to us if we need to validate? They're going to go back to Medina Sayyam. So Tosa says, but no, but their very delivery of it is like testifying to the fact that the husband sent them. Like, you know, the fact that it's two, two witnesses, you know, even without saying anything, they're essentially testifying to their own role of being witnesses and being sent by the husband, and therefore we don't have to be concerned that the get will be challenged. It's a little complicated. Yeah, yeah. They, well, they just, yeah, just show up and just deliver it, right. Okay, I mean, they say that they were sent by the husband, but they don't have to testify that it was signed and sealed in front of them. Yeah, and the yeah, fact yeah. that they're testifying that they were sent by the husband, says Tosos, means we don't have to concern ourselves that the husband will challenge to get. Okay? So anyway, two people brought it, but okay, maybe it was legitimately sent by the husband, but it might not be Lishma. Okay, some of these cases seem to already be answered in the Mishnah. From one region to another in Israel, like Yehud and Galil. So it could be everybody in Israel knows Lishma, but maybe there's not a lot of travel between two regions. And maybe there would still be hard to get witnesses from one region to another. So a place where they know Lishma, but there's still a travel problem and a witnesses problem. Okay? Inami, okay? Inami, or third Nafkamina, Ba'usa Medina, Medina Sayyam. Right? It's all within one country in Medina Sayyam, where they don't know Lishma well enough. But it's within one country, so they'll be able to find witnesses. Okay, a lot of nice hypothetical nafkinas. Not everything that's a hypothetical nafkinah will play out that way, but a very beautiful conceptual explanation. Is it nechtav or is it nechtam? Here's the conceptual differences. Here are the nafkinas. Let's read one line in the Gemara to get us to why is it that one witness suffices to address these concerns. Okay, Ularaba da Amar, Lishma, 
Rabu says that the problem is that they don't know the laws of Hashman, that's what you're testifying to. We buy tray. Why don't you need to? If you want it, if there's a real doubt whether it's a legitimate get, a kosher get, right? Not Ford. That's not the issue. But the issue is kosher in terms of the halachas. Okay? You should need two witnesses to testify. Why? Like all testimonies require two. Okay? And this is testifying to the legitimacy of the get. So Gemara says, no. When it comes to something's kashra status, we trust one witness. How do you know this? Beautiful Rashi. Look at Rashi. Five lines down in the narrow lines. Okay, you go to the butcher, you trust him that he shechted it. I mean, they didn't have a whole OU hashkacha industry. People were able to testify for themselves. Or as Tosa says, How do we rely on our wives? Okay, we go home and they say they give, they're giving us kosher food. Or that they were, or they salted the meat. Because you would go to the butcher, you'd buy unsalted meat. How do we trust people about that? How do we trust women that they go to the mikvah? Okay? So, when it comes to something kosher status, you rely on a single witness. Did you want to say something, Jenna? Isn't there a thing with mikvah bringing home a receipt? Yeah, that's, what I don't know. <laughs> that's not a halacha. Okay, really? I gotta tell you, all my life, sorry, never brought me home a receipt. Okay, anyway, <laughs> so the Gemara says, alright, so, Gemara says one minute. When do we say one witness suffices to establish something's cash for status? If you have a piece of meat in front of you and you don't know, is it non-kosher fat or kosher fat? Okay, and the witness can tell you, I'll tell you what it is. We never started knowing that it was usr. Okay, so therefore we just don't know. So witness tells us, Aval... We knew that the woman originally was married, so how can you trust one witness to change the status? Not only that, not only is it against a chazaka, but also this is a matter of arayot. And and that requires two witnesses. So, uh, so how can it be? A, there's a cheskas iser. We know she was forbidden, and you shouldn't be able to trust one witness. And number two, it's arayos, and you should always need two in a matter of arayot. So how do we trust one? So I'm going to leave you with that cliffhanger. <laughs> we'll see the answer tomorrow. Look at that. I finished before eight thirty, but I do want to say one thing, which is about itchazek isura, which is Rashi's examples are itchazek isura. If you have a piece of meat it used to be Aver bin Achai you don't know that it was shechted correctly you don't know that the blood was removed you don't know that the chela was removed those are Itchazik Isura so Tozos introduces the important concept of Biyado see I'm already using my hand Biyado if you have the ability to change the status you're believed against Itchazik Isura in theory you could shecht or hire somebody to shecht or hire somebody to remove the, the fat or hire some or, or, or you're, remove it yourself or salt the meat yourself but the woman or the shali cannot divorce on their own. Right? They cannot, no matter how much money they spend and how many people they hire, unless the Baal agrees, they're not, she's not going to get divorced. It's not the Yada. And therefore, if it's not the Yada, 
it's you don't believe Eid Echad. Tosus does say, however, there are some opinions that you even do believe Eid Echad against Yitzchazek Yisura. And that's why the Gemara end, adds the point of it's an Arayos. So there are two reasons here why you should need two witnesses. It's a Cheskas Isser and it's not the Yada. And a Cheskas Isser needs two witnesses. And even for those that think a Cheskas Isser doesn't need two witnesses, one witness suffices, it's an Arayos case. So you should need two witnesses and we will find out tomorrow what the answer to that is.